When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Greetings, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa at QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well. Still got the cold, sorry. Um, But I was very sad because I had managed to acquire a lovely new bag, a backpack. And it was a beautiful bright orange colour made from recycled bottles. So very good for the environment. And I was really proud of it. And then somebody asked me if I was the paramedic because they'd seen the bag. I thought, ah, it's perhaps a bit too bright orange, but never mind. I still like it. And you can spot me from a mile off. So that's good. Anyway, this episode is devoted entirely to Cheltenham Literature Festival because I went there for the day uh, a couple of days ago and I just thought I'd talk you through it, tell you the authors that I met, what they were saying, so you can just get a feel for it. So um, the Literature Festival happens in Cheltenham every year, about sort of October time. It tends to last for about 10 days, so two weekends and the week in between. Before, I've always gone on a weekend when I have been. So this was the first weekday visit for me. And I really enjoyed it. I actually preferred it because while you might not have the absolute massive names, the the really big, uh, well-known people appearing there during the week, it's a lot quieter. It's just easier to get around. There's not quite so many people. But, you know, it's great any day you can can go. Um, And it's set out near the town hall. There's a lot of tents with... um, different authors speaking, there's bookshops, there's food. If you've been to a literary festival before, they're they're quite similar in terms of the range of food that they have and there's a bookshop and once you've heard an author speak, you can then go and buy a book if you want and get them to sign it. So it's that sort of standard approach, Um, but there are actually two different main locations. There are a few other locations dotted around Cheltenham, but particularly there are two locations the town hall itself, and then a lot of the marquee tents, that sort of thing. When I say tent, I don't mean, you know, a two-person tent. I mean a huge marquee that fits hundreds of people. Uh, I think I've noticed this time it was a lot better organised, and anything that happened on the other campus was just in the town hall, whereas previously when I've been, they've been just dotted around a bit too much, different tents near the town hall, people quite confused. So this was really well thought out. 
uh, I, I thought. Um, parking is a problem in that there's a park and ride, I think there's two actually, which is super, but they close at six o'clock. And I think, well, six o'clock, I'm not ready to go home. I haven't overloaded myself with books by six o'clock, so that doesn't really work for me. So it's finding somewhere nearby, particularly if you go on your own. I went on my own and I don't want to have to walk for miles in the dark at night because the last event I went to finished just after quarter past eight. So you don't want to be walking around late then. Um, so it's just finding somewhere to, to park that you think is a good idea. So the the real fact for that is just go early, get there much uh, earlier than you planned, possibly uh, at least an hour before your first event so that you've got time just to drive round and in my case around and around and around until you find the right car park space and then I did find it and I was very happy. So uh, that that's uh, that's the Literature Festival. You can buy tickets online when it comes up next year and then you can go and pick them up at the box office if you want or if there's time they'll send them to you in the post. Now I have been, as I say, to other literary festivals and the real difference that struck me this time with Cheltenham is Cheltenham is full of note takers, myself included. So, you know, fair enough. But there's so many people that start an event with pen and paper out, ready to make notes, because you never know what books are going to be talked about, if there's going to be a book that you haven't heard of. You don't want to think afterwards, oh, I wish I could remember what that book was. So again, another tip, if you're, if you're a real bookish person, take a pen and paper, and just so it's there in case you want to make any notes. So the first session I went to was called The Scene of the Crime. And that was uh, with Ellie Griffiths and Jason Webster. Now, Ellie Griffiths has written a lot, a lot of books, um, particularly for, uh, with the character Ruth Galloway. I don't know if you've heard of any of them. Now, actually, Ellie Griffiths isn't her real name. Her real name, and I won't do it in the right accent, is Domenica de Rosa. Um, but she had to change her name when she started writing crime fiction. So Ellie Griffiths is just a pseudonym, which I didn't know. And Jason Webster has written uh, quite a few different books, some non-fiction, some fiction. But the ones he was talking about, his main character in those is Max Kamara. So the event was chaired by Alex Clark. Now, Alex is a poet. She's a short story writer. She was really good as a chair. And Ellie was talking about in-between lands, lands in between the sea and land, the wetlands, which is where she bases a lot of her Ruth Galloway books. And also she mentioned about the interesting things that happened between England and Wales, like in Hay. I don't know if you've been to Hay on Wye, but there's a lot of literature there. So she was just talking about those sort of differences. And she teaches creative writing, and she was saying that you, you need to picture yourself in the character's shoes and follow the feet. That's what she kept saying, just follow the feet. And Jason agreed with her that you really have to be in the character to write and, and how it affects both their writing. Um, so Ella's principal series is the Ruth Galloway, as I've mentioned. And Ruth gets called in when the police have questions about bones that they've discovered so sort of an archaeologist uh, and she Ellie was actually told when she was researching one of the first books that if you come across nettles in the landscape there could be hum a human body buried there it's not necessarily the case it could be anything to do with human waste but that is one way of trying to find where the, where the bodies are buried, literally. So the next time I find nettles, I'm going to be a bit concerned. 
Now, Jason's books, they're all based in Spain because he's lived there for many years. Uh, and his main character, Max, is in the police. So the, the books are Spanish police procedural. And the first case he wrote about was the death of a bullfighter, which he found really interesting because this character, Max, is against bullfighting, yet obviously had to investigate to see who the criminal was, who the murderer was. Um, and he's very focused on what is an incredible history of Spain and all that's happened just in the last hundred years alone. Uh, he did say that the quickest time he's written a first draft of one of his books is three weeks. Now, that is a short amount of time. Ellie couldn't quite believe that three weeks is short. He did say it needed some revisions after that. But still, I thought, quite crikey, that's, that's fast writing. Um, and they both talked about a sense of justice at the end of a book, how important it is to finish that book and think, yes, justice has been dished out. We know what's happened. We know who committed the crime. We know how it all happened. And they both said that that's really important to have. And, and I think we'd all agree with that. I thought they were all chatty, funny, interesting. And I'd say it was really well chaired too. So the next session I went on, and I should say I didn't particularly choose these because the own, there was only one day I could go. So I couldn't look through and select a particular day. So it was only one day. And it was just trying to choose the ones that, yes, obviously I love crime, but the other ones that I slotted in were just, well, I've got this gap, what shall I fill it with? So get me on this next one. The next session was called Modern Mythology. Now, it was chaired by Lucy Hughes-Hallett, and she's written a book called Fabulous. And Fabulous is about, well, it's a collection of stories, really, a reworking of fables, myths, stories, fairy tales, all sorts of things, but most of them in sort of modern day as well and completely turning them on their head. Uh, then we had Daisy Johnson, uh, who's written Everything Under. Now that's about a girl's relationship with her mother, but it's done, it's a retelling, like a transgender retelling of the Oedipus myth. And then, drum roll, there was Natalie Haynes. Now, Natalie, comedian, classical Greek specialist, Ooh, she is a very clever woman. And her latest book is called A Thousand Ships, which retells the story of the Trojan War from an all-female perspective. Uh, so th these are three seriously bright women, very compelling, the discussion. Um, as I say, Natalie Haynes just struck me as an incredibly clever author. She just, she combines these really detailed perspectives, this amazing in-depth knowledge on the classical stories in just a very funny, understandable way. Uh, really made it, um, I mean, these aren't books that I would, I would, by but having heard them talk I would be more inclined to pick up one of their books and, and particularly Natalie's and just have a look at it and she was talking about the audiobooks that she's narrated as well so she's narrated her own book and I do like an author that narrates their own and she actually said that she started crying at one point in the book because it, it was so sad and so I thought, well, maybe that's something that I could do. And if I didn't really fancy the book, I could listen to the audiobook. So that's great. And yes, I wouldn't have chosen to go to that because I, I don't know those authors. But brilliant, because it's just opened my mind on, a, on another area and an, another type of book to read. So that's fantastic. And what they did say 
uh, a lot of people who obviously follow Natalie a great deal is that if you are studying classical Greek or if you know someone, maybe a teenager who's studying classical Greek, Natalie's books are really important, really crucial to help both give them a love for the subject, but also help them understand it some more. So that's just worth bearing in mind. Now, the next session, get this, this was called The Future of Crime, and this had five crime writers in. It was amazing. So we had Luca Vesti. Now, I've talked about Luca before. I've reviewed his book called The Six, but let's just talk about, about that again. Uh, so it's coming out fairly soon, the next couple of months, and it's about a group of friends who are coming to a time in their lives when they need to get serious. They're getting, going to get married, settle down, have children, and it's their last hurrah before all of that. And they go to a music festival, but something goes wrong, and that then affects all of them. And it's and it's what then happens. It's a really good book. Uh, Luke has also written others, um, a detective series, The Bone Killer, Bone Keeper. Sorry, I'm sure there's one called The Bone Killer out there, but this particular one's called The Bone Keeper. So that was Luca Vesti. Then we had Stuart Neville. Now I first came across Stuart Neville when there was a Richard and Judy book selection. Uh, with the character DCI Serena Flanagan. I don't know if you've heard of that. There was um, the books Those We Left Behind and So Say the Fallen, many others that he's written. I really enjoyed reading DCI Serena Flanagan. I loved those books. I would highly commend them, 10 out of 10 ones as far as I'm concerned. So just to repeat, Those We Left Behind and then the follow-on So Say the Fallen. But also Stuart was talking about how he writes books based in America as well. And for those, he writes under a different name, Halem Beck. And the latest one he's written is called Lost You. Now he was saying about how a few years ago, He'd gone on holiday with his family and he'd got a young child who loved pressing buttons in the lift. And as they were coming out of their hotel room, they're all carrying lots of things and holding the door for someone to get through. This young child ran off to the lift and started pressing the buttons. The door opened and Stuart ran so fast to get to stop this child. And he got there just as the lift door was closing and managed to get his arm through and stop the lift. But it got him thinking, what would have happened? What would have happened if the doors had closed and he couldn't get the child? Where would the child have ended up? What floor? What would have happened? And it gave him the seeds of a story. So Lost You is set in a, a luxury hotel in America where a woman takes her three-year-old son for a vacation. And just as Stuart experienced in real life, the sun runs into the lift, but this time the lift door closes. They close and sh this lady cannot get him. She's lost him, but she's lost him and someone else has found him. Uh, so you're left wondering, why have they found him? What's going to happen? Uh, it all sounds a bit scary. It sounds brilliant. I mean, I haven't read any Halen Beck yet, but if they're anything like the Serena Flanagan series, they're going to be brilliant. Um, so that's certainly one that I'll be looking for. Then we had Doug Johnston. Now, I haven't come across Doug Johnston before. I'm really ashamed to say. Uh, his latest book is called Breakers. And this was actually based on when he had his house broken into a few years ago. It's funny how authors, a lot of things that happen to them in real life, they then use 
for their books. But then I suppose why not? Because it gives you an insight. It just starts another train of thought going. Anyway, so Breakers is based. You've got um, a boy, a 17-year-old boy. He's forced by his older siblings into committing burglaries, finds himself in this house, and a woman comes home. The woman of the house comes home. Uh, surprises them and his elder brother stabs this woman they leave her for dead gone but the trouble is that this woman is married to the biggest crime lord in edinburgh she's the wife of edinburgh's biggest crime lord so not only did they have the crime lord closing in trying to find who's done it they've got the police closing in as well it's sort of a good kid in the wrong family type of story um, and it's supposed to be really good. So I'll certainly be looking, looking for that. And he's written one that's going to be coming out in the new year called The Dark Matter. And I'll talk about that again a bit more in a few minutes. But everybody is raving about that book, saying it's a real, it's a real winner. And uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about that when it's published. So that's going to be interesting. So I think if you haven't heard of Doug Johnston, it's worth getting acquainted with him, his other books, because he's going to be hitting the headlines next year. Then we had Chris Brookmar. Oh, my goodness. I love Chris Brookmar's books. I don't know if you've read any. He's written so many. Um, my favourite is probably called Places in the Darkness, which is a crime book, but it's actually set in space which is really interesting. And I will do a, a podcast episode on books in space. So I'll talk about it more then. But I really, really enjoyed that one. But he's written other brilliant ones too. Uh, Black Widow, Want You Gone, all punchy, different, excellent crime books. But also he was talking about how he has started writing a series with his wife under the name Ambrose Parry. Um, they've written The Way of All the Flesh, and another one called The Art of Dying. And the, those are murder mysteries, crime solving, but in the 1850s. So that's, that sounds great because they can write and a slightly different time setting as well. So he's, he's brilliant because if you think about it, he's writing in historical times. He's writing in the future in space and present times as well. So he can certainly adapt his writing style, shall we say. And then we had Mark Billingham. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Mark Billingham because he's been writing for decades. His main series of books are the Tom Thorne uh, detective series. Most recent ones, Their Little Secret, The Killing Habit. They are brilliant police books, very good. Um, and Mark's often interviewed and comes across really well. So I'm sure you will have heard of him. And they started talking about the first crime book that they'd ever written and what their favourites were when they were young. There is a lot of Stephen King that was read by crime writers when they were teenagers. And it just shows that these days, you know, there's so much YA fiction to, to read that, that you probably wouldn't have just gone from a younger book straight into Stephen King. But at that time, that, that's what they tended to do. Uh, so Stuart Neville particularly liked Stephen King and Thomas Harris. Uh, Doug Johnson did, said he didn't grow up reading crime fiction. His dad was an English teacher, so there were lots of books in the house. Um, but particularly he liked an author called William McIlvenny, and a few of them mentioned this. Those are books written based in the 1970s, 80s, uh, crime books. Um, he also, Doug Johnson also said he loved train spotting, if you could call it a crime, that that, that book was a major influence on him and his crime writing. 
Uh, Luca Vesti said, well, he started off with Enid Blyton, didn't most of us, and then went from Enid Blyton straight on to Stephen King, The Stand. So Christ, that, was, that was rather a jump, I thought. And then he stopped reading until somebody, a relative, gave him a copy of Sleepyhead by Mark Billingham. And that just inspired him to read and read and write. So I, I thought that was, uh, was a good story there. Uh, Chris Brookmar liked The Secret Seven when he was young, then went on to Ian Fleming, Robert Ludlow, and then he really enjoyed the twists of Ian Banks, The Wasp Factory. And Mark Billingham said he liked The Godfather and Jaws. So as we say, there was no real definitive YA then as a genre. So you... Um, you just had this huge step up from children's books to ones like Stephen King. I, I can't read Stephen King yet. Have you? I'd be interested to know who's read Stephen King, at what age. Do let me know, because maybe maybe I'm just being too much of a chicken and I need, just need to step up and start reading it. Um, then they were talking, finally, about books to read books that they would recommend now that they would really rate and they all said Doug Johnston's The Dark Matter um, that's coming up next year I'm hoping to get a copy of that fairly soon so if so if I'm lucky enough I'll review it and tell you about it um, they also really rated Luca Vesti's The Six that I've mentioned that's coming out in a few months um, Chris Brookmar mentioned Lou Burney's November Road that I haven't heard of and Mick Heron's books, which I have, the uh, Jackson Lamb thrillers. And uh, Luca Vesti talked about uh, ho his horror. He's, he's always prefers to read horror books. So he suggested C.J. Tudor. I'm sure you've heard of her. She's written The Chalk Man, The Taking of Annie Thorne. There's another one coming up as well. And Luca also recommended Matt Wolowski's books and Alex North. So you've got quite a few there to choose from. So we're getting on to nearer the end of the day. Um, and I went into an event called Novels That Shaped Our World. And this was, uh, this had four people just sitting talking about particular books that had an influence on them. There was Mariella Frostrop. Uh, she's a radio TV presenter. Juno Dawson brilliant YA author. Uh, Joe Haddo, who chaired it, he did a really good job. You've got Don Warrington. Now, Don is principally an actor. Originally, I remember him in Rising Damp. Um, he played the part of Philip Smith. And more recently, he's been in Death in Paradise as the commissioner, uh, the commissioner Selwyn Patterson. So uh, you may have come across him. And Juno and Mariella had been two of six authors who had come up with this definitive list of novels that shaped our world. Uh, and they'd worked on that. It's going to be promoted next month. It'll be launched on The One Show, uh, which is a TV show in the UK, and on Radio 2 as well. There's going to be reading packs that you can apply for, all sorts of promotion and publicity. And it, what they came up with was 10 different themes. So... One theme was crime and conflict. Another was identity, adventure, all different ones. And within each theme, they had to agree and finalise on 10 books that are ones, not necessarily the best books ever published or the most important, but the novels that shaped our world. Um, so I, th I think we're going to have Handmaid's Tale. I'd imagine it's going to be 1984. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, different ones like that. Um, 
And at one point, Mariella asked Dom if he thought that you could be a great actor and not a great reader because they were talking about the relationship between reading and acting. And Dom said he always read to give him a map through life, that he had various issues to deal with growing up and books helped him to learn how to cope with what life was throwing at him. He said that reading gives you the key to unlock emotions and... Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And actually, Dom's going to be in a series on uh, television soon, on BBC Two in November, about the book The Lovely Londoners by Sam Selvan. Now, I don't know if you've heard of The Lovely Londoners, but it's based on a group of West Indians arriving in the UK and expecting incredible things, um, as so often happened, and then... The reality did not meet that. There was uh, racism, uh, poor jobs, poor pay, all sorts of things. Um, very, very uh, moving and significant book, I would say. Uh, what was also interesting is that at times they stopped and then turned and asked the audience what books they would say would be their uh, suggestions for ones that were changed the world for them. Of course... Uh, I think I was the youngest in that room. So no book less than 30, 40 years old was mentioned. Um, but still, it was a, it was just interesting to sit there. Very vibrant. Time went very quickly. And just to hear them and see these people talking about a love of books. You know, what what's, what's wrong with that? Now, finally, this was uh, something I've wanted to see for a long time. So finally, the five crime writers that I talked about earlier are part of a rock band and they're called the fun-loving crime writers and I've been hearing about them appearing at different events they were even at Glastonbury earlier this year and they sing they only do songs that have a detective theme or murder theme um the typically things like the clash the jam Elvis Costello now normally Val McDermott is the lead singer in this band but she was actually in New Zealand, so she wasn't there. But um, so the rest of them took over and the, you didn't feel that anyone was missing at all. They did a brilliant job. People were dancing. Great music. I mean, four guitars, drums, what's not to like. I, I think they had more personality than most bands I've seen at the moment. And it was just a great way to end the night. Those boys can play well. They really can. Uh, I think they're on TV, on Sky Arts as well, doing a, a live show. So, all in all, brilliant day at Cheltenham Literature Festival. Uh, I hope it's not been too dull going with me on the journey, but at least you got an idea. You didn't miss anything, really. Um, you've got a flavour for all that happened in that day. It was a long day, but it was a great day. And I look forward to the next one. So... Next time I will be just reviewing books, back to normal again, sorry. I'll be re reviewing some books that I've just finished, some really good ones, some book recommendations, answering a listener's uh, question, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. So take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.